1: It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Then karate katas with our master. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we like to think we're all on a path of improvement, whether it's our skill level, our finances, our health, or all of the above. However, it's a lot of work to be continually attempting to improve yourself. And that improvement is all for naught if you reach a goal and then get lazy. We've all done the hardcore diet and lost a lot of weight, only to gain it back over the following months and years as discipline fades. So what are some practices we can put in place to make sure that positive change sticks? This episode attempts to answer that question and more, but before we get started, will, what have you been fighting this
1: week? Uh well, um, you know, I had the problem with my shoulder. Uh, was it last week or the week before? You know, like i I couldn't bench press mm-hmm. at all, and so I got it um basically, they crammed my shoulder or my arm back up into the joint, <laughs> yeah um, and that seemed to fix it. Um, I was actually able to lift today, and um didn't go real heavy, but it was it was nice, other than that man i've just been I've just been doing a lot of work. I guess that's about it. I mean, I'm I'm hitting a lot of Saturdays and that kind of stuff here lately, so.
0: Yeah, every time I've uh, contacted you about, like, getting lunch or something on a Saturday, you're in the office unless we have something planned. Yeah. So, I mentioned it on live, but I'm going to say it again here so everybody knows it is now official. I have accepted a promotion at work. My new title is Advanced. Software developer. Nice. Yeah. This, uh, the advanced position kind of encompasses a mid to senior level where the junior position was more like the, the junior to kind of entry level junior uh, to beginning mid. So it's, it's kind of nice. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, looking forward to, to kind of getting into this new role and seeing what positive changes I can bring to uh to the organization it's uh internal promotion so that's that's really cool i did learn a little bit about uh internal interviews and how those differ from like going somewhere you've never been before yeah and uh i'm in the process of putting together an episode on that because i think there's enough difference there that it could be useful i know i would like to have known this before going in for internal interviews um as i learned a lot kind of the hard way. Through experience, which is always the harder way to learn. Yeah. (laughs) So not only did I get the promotion, but uh, the person I'm replacing was using a nicer laptop than the one that I was using as my work machine. Uh, It's a Mac. So yeah, I'm doing .NET development on a Mac.
1: Nice. Did the whole uh, cubicle raid and... All that stuff?
0: As soon as it was announced she was leaving, I went to management and asked for it.
1: I've been. Oh, they ask at your office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple of shirts in my closet from a former boss's office. <laughs> like it was a time honored tradition at one of the places I worked where it's like, yeah, you left. Like that cubicle was stripped clean. It was like there were piranhas in there. Well, it's, it's uh, because we're remote.
0: Oh yeah, everything you got drive, to, and yeah. yeah, everything has to come back in through operations. So I, uh, I just as soon as I found out, I've been asking for a better laptop, and so as soon as I found out that she was leaving, I, I went and asked for it, and um, was told yes, I could have it. And then I had to go through the the operations department and talk to them and get you know let them know yes, I've gotten permission to have it. And so then when she left, they. Kind of got it set up for me, and so I've been, I've got both right now that I've been carrying around. Yeah,
1: um, just while so I basically get used you're to it. in possession of three different laptops right now. Six. <laughs> Why six? Well,
0: let's see. I've got my personal one, the two work ones. I've got the Mac that my sister gave me, and by Mac that my sister gave me, I mean the original MacBook that she had when she was in college. Oh, um, I've got the crap top. And then I've got one that I had before I went to med school that is running a, it's running an old version of Linux that I probably haven't touched in forever. I think I was playing around with uh, some Raspberry Pi stuff on it. Wow, six laptops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, I'm using a Windows VM to run because uh, we're using .NET Standard, so I have to be able to to get in and do the the Windows development, but. We're planning on moving to .NET Core, so uh, I'm giving Visual Studio for Mac a try. It's basically just Xamarin with a new paint job. Yeah. But still, I've got the Community Edition, and I'm giving it a try. Um, and I was told if I, if I can prove the value, we may get licenses for it. We may not. I don't know. But, you know, I'm really enjoying the Mac. Uh, it's a learning curve, but... You know, just the screen resolution with the 4K, like, laptop screen is amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm going from, like, a really, really poor resolution laptop screen to that. Oh. And also, I gave another talk to the state's IT Professional Association this past week. It's been a busy week for me. Uh, this one was based on the seven myths of agile talk that I gave at the Digital Summit and the episode. So, I used the slide set from the Digital Summit, but I used the notes from the episode. Made for a much better talk, partly because I had more than seven minutes to give it. And, you know, third time's a charm, really. So, this is the third time I gave that. I felt really good about it. Afterwards, received a lot of positive feedback. Um, Then I gave it again at our weekly dev chat. (laughs) But it turned into more of a... um, some of the people had seen it already, like they watched when I, I did the presentation, so it turned into a discussion on how we are either falling into this myth or not at work, and so it, it was really interesting. It was also kind of neat because they recorded the presentation, I got to watch it, and I've got some more work to do on weight loss. Uh Saw myself from the side, and yeah, I got a little work to do. Also, I need to get more practice public speaking, So that I'm not looking at my notes as much. Uh, Podcasting has gotten me used to reading from a screen. And even when we do our live, we've got the screen right there with the. And we uh, even look at it sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But along those lines, I've got something for IoTs that might just help us out. in live feeds, Will and I use my laptop and the webcam on it. Because of that, we're able to have our notes right in front of us as we record um, or broadcast. However, many productions, TV, video, and such use teleprompters. This is a DIY teleprompter project. Now, these machines display a script or outline for the person that is on screen to read. It's kind of how newscasters can talk in depth about a subject while looking at the camera and not their notes. Uh, The display is on a screen that sets in front of a camera lens, so the person reading is looking right at the camera. While there are professional versions of this out there that you can get for thousands of dollars, this project shows you how to build one of your own for only around 50. It's kind of got a good step-by-step process with video examples, and uh, it's a good tutorial. So I'll have a
1: link to that in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we uh, grabbed a tweet from Andrew McDowell. And he says, I dreamt about writing some .NET last night. Weird. I'm going to chalk this one up to binging at Complete Dev Pod. Must be really nice to uh, dream about writing .NET code. Because <laughs> <laughs> I still dream about Visual Basic, like classic. Like That's called nightmares, my friend. 16-bit. Yeah, VB four. Yeah. That's, that's called nightmares. <laughs> yeah, uh, never dream about net. It's <laughs> kind of weird. So, uh, Andrew, you're
0: not related to a dean from our college, are you? <laughs> Never mind, never mind. Andrew, send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, and Facebook. We're also on Instagram, Path, and Tumblr. You can check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Real personal change is hard. Not only do you have to pick an appropriate goal, but you have to slog towards it over an extended period of time. Lots of things will jump in the way of real personal growth, with everything from relationship drama to boredom and depression making an appearance. Your mind is not only an incredible pattern matching device, but it's also a device that is absolutely amazing at making you regress to previous behaviors. Since this podcast is not only about software development, but also about enabling developers to create their best lives while still improving their skills, we thought it would be useful to talk about how you approach goals so that they are permanent.
1: Yeah, and this episode idea came from our friend Chang, who sent us the following message Via Slack. Yeah, it was it Slack and it was a while back. It's so far back that I don't remember exactly when, when it was, but he said, I think I was listening to the Build Your Hustle episode and someone talked about reinvesting your gains. The how-to experience of reinvesting gains would be a topic I'd love to hear. Well, Chang, here's our take on it. We're going to mostly use the example of trying to stick to a diet, both because Beige and I are actively engaged in doing so and because nearly every adult has had the experience of an attempt at a diet that didn't stick. You can use the same set of principles for personal habits, finance, exercise, or just about anything else that you can think of. Um, But we're using the diet because it's simple. Along the way, we're going to discuss the pitfalls that happen when trying to achieve a goal as well as how to systematize the results so the benefit compounds rather than merely incrementing.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important here to point out that we're using diet as an example throughout this episode, just like Will said, but
1: you can apply this to anything that you are wanting to, to reinvest. It's just that most people can relate to the diet thing at some point, especially in America, Mm -hmm. because that's um, one of our national pastimes is needing a diet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) there's that, I guess.
0: We're going to start off with why new habits don't stick.
1: Yeah. And the first thing that's, and the most obvious is that You just don't stick with them long enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, It usually takes at least a month of regular practice to make a habit stick. And that depends on the frequency of the action. So if it's weekly, it's going to take longer than that, right? Like it's going to take most of a year. Right.
0: And if it's several times a day, it may take a little less than that. Yeah. So it, it depends a little bit on that, but a month is a good average. And you can really only consider a habit installed when you can remember it Almost every time without prompting. What I think of is shortcut keys and hotkeys. Yeah. So
1: uh, when it's I, at the point where you, you hit them and somebody asks you what you hit, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't know, I have to do it again. Learning to use the Mac, um, I've been learning a whole new set
0: of shortcut keys and hotkeys. And thankfully, we've got several other Mac users in the office. But it's been funny because I will ask one of them, hey, how do you do this? Or what's the shortcut key for this? Because I I hit the wrong thing and it closed the whole program down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, uh, watch me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For some things, you may never really get to that point, um, especially when the habit is not well integrated into your life. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But that's another place that can really trip you up.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The next reason that new habits don't stick is that you find yourself in situations that make them more difficult. Life really comes at you fast and situations can arise that make your habits tricky to keep.
0: An example of this is someone who goes on a diet only to find an emotional situation that drives them to, say, eat a pint of ice cream or they have free donuts at work.
1: Yeah, free cake or whatever.
0: I was reading um, today...
1: About Some special forces guy saying that they're like the yes. worst thing you could. Did you eat? send me that? No. Okay. So we it's s- a mutual friend. <laughs> apparently posted that on Facebook because we both saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just how how
0: donuts and free food in the office is terrible. Yeah, for discipline.
1: Right. It's wonderful for enjoying food, but mm-hmm. not so great on the disciplinary thing. And I'll I'll say this: I've had a lot of difficulty sticking to a low carb diet just because of how expensive it is. To go out and eat um, and how time consuming it is and how much thought because sometimes you're just fried and you're like, I want to go get something to eat and I don't want to think. When you're in that state, it's very easy to let your habit get broken down.
0: Yeah, I don't really have that option because I have to make sure it doesn't have onions. Yeah. So I I always have to to think uh, unless I'm going to a place that I've been to multiple times where the entire staff knows.
1: Yeah, but if you were trying to go low carb on top of that you might just go okay well i know this doesn't have onions i don't want to find something that's the intersection of those two sets <laughs> right like it still it still makes it harder it's a, yeah. it just it just makes it more difficult
0: the next one is not having systems in place that make the habit a default and this is very important human beings are lazy
1: at most levels yeah i mean we you know we didn't evolve to just burn energy yeah for no purpose. And as a result, we tend to fall back on
0: defaults, comfortable defaults mostly, but we get into routines. I will say one of the hardest things for me the last, I guess, two or three months since I started the really hardcore dieting with the six-week challenge I did was not drinking when I edit. It wasn't that I drank a lot. I'd usually have one, maybe two beers, depending on how difficult the editing was and how long it took. But it was just, you know, I would get everything set up. I'd go grab a beer. I'd sit down and I would go. And I've had the same problem with writing. Yeah. And it, it, I started drinking tea in its place, a uh, hot tea. And that helped a little bit because it was something kind of to sip on and stuff. But I found I drank the tea a lot faster than I would drink a beer. Yeah, I can see that. So it's it's easy to get into these these negative defaults without even realizing you're
1: building that. Yeah, especially if you're tired, stressed out, really busy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you just kind of fall back to that. Like today at lunch, I did not do low carb. I was in a hurry. I had, you know, five different things going on. I had a meeting coming up and out here in Bellevue, there's not a lot of options. <laughs> yep. Right. Like if you want if you want to do low carb going somewhere, you have got a bit of a drive, especially from this house. Trying to think, yeah, you're you're probably yeah, you're toast. Trust me. I mean, you can go to like Publix and get like um, a couple of those baggies that have like six eggs hard boiled in them, so you eat like a dozen eggs. There are, and that's actually not bad if you dump pepper on them. There, there are a few places
0: around Publix, yeah, that have one or two items on the menu, and they're the they're the same at both places. Are very very similar. Yes. So if you if you are okay eating that, you can do it.
1: If the default and easiest thing to do is to go the wrong way, that's what you're eventually going to do. Uh, this is why, like, in diet stuff, they'll tell you, get rid of the junk food in your house, which I mostly have. Mm-hmm. You but- know, I have found that out of sight,
0: out of mind kind of works with this. I think I have wrote that somewhere else in the outline. But it's one of those things, if I don't have it around, yeah. I'm not going to eat it. Now, the frustrating thing is when I would go visit my parents or now that they're split up, I go visit my mom. She's always got like cakes and candies and stuff like that. And it's such a default. I have to really consciously fight it when yeah. I go
1: visit her or because, my parents. Yeah. Because holy cow, the potatoes and the, uh, you know, garlic bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, man. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's totally a thing. Um, yeah. If you keep a pantry full of junk food and you get stressed out, eventually a bag of Doritos is going to suffer. Yeah. Terribly.
0: <laughs> Next, not making the improvement part of your identity. If you look at the improvement as something outside of yourself for long enough, eventually it's going to be. Yeah. And this is why dieting,
1: I don't like dieting. Yeah, I it's like you like you need, a, you need a, a lifestyle change.
0: Right. I prefer a lifestyle change and I've had this conversation with friends and family, like my dad... He Yeah, because I've a,
1: watched him spring up and down. Yeah, on
0: he that. is the best dieter I've ever known. He can go on a diet and he is strict, he is good about it, and he will drop the weight like nobody's business. As soon as he's got it off, the diet is over. It doesn't change the way his lifestyle is. It's the diet's over. I'm good. I'm healthy. I can eat what I want now and yep. he slowly creeps back up. And I have watched it my whole
1: life. Yeah, of course that's also tricky if you're doing uh, you know certain kinds of diets like a bulking diet mm-hmm. for weightlifting. Like you don't really do that forever. Well, that and, that's, th- and it's the thing is you plan that to be a a right. time-limited thing. Um and then the you know the down the down curve is also part of it. Yeah. And you and you understand that that whole thing is part of your life.
0: Mhm. Well, you, your lifestyle becomes the flow right there. But if you're constantly telling yourself that you're a fat slob who makes bad choices and has to be forced to eat properly and healthy, you're going to always struggle to
1: eat healthy. Yeah. You, you can't really force yourself to do very much.
0: Um, you know, it, it's interesting when we were at the fair and talking to um, our friend that does the strongman show. We, I was telling was, um, we were talking about kind of going off sweets and I was saying, yeah, after doing the six week challenge, I had gotten into eating these smoothies. It was, you know, unsweetened fruit and kind of sour, bitter yogurt and greens. And to me that, t- that was sweet and yummy because I hadn't had sweets in six weeks. Yeah. I go down and visit my sister and my nieces. See me making a smoothie and they're like, Oh, can I have one? Can I have one? So I make one for them to split?
1: He would not. But one sip and they're like, ooh. And I, I had a little bit of soda today, and yeah. it was so is sickeningly sweet because that's <laughs> not what I drink now. Yeah. You get
0: you get out of that. But you know, if if I had looked at this, and this is what our friend was saying, he's like, Yeah, but it doesn't take long to get that back if you don't make that mind
1: yeah, that, if that mind. If that's shift. who you are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you if you view yourself as that. Um, on the other hand, if you tell yourself that you are a person who overcame being a fat slob and now makes good
1: choices, it's a lot less likely that you'll screw up. And that's kind of the whole out of sight, out of mind thing. Yeah. It's just that's not what I, that's not who I am anymore. Exactly. Now, another thing that will mess you up is you know na- just flat out nasty surprises and setbacks. Um, getting injured, a death in the family, a change in the job or even surprise expenses can derail personal change especially when you're not well prepared. I had a hernia last year that knocked me out of lifting for I don't know almost a year, you know, at least lifting it on a regular basis. I'm back to it. I'm not anywhere close to full strength. Uh, yeah. We tested that one out. Mm-hmm. That mm-mm. Now sometimes the setback can't be avoided, such as your hernia,
0: but some degree of mitigation is usually possible.
1: Yeah, and I've, I mean I've been trying to lift really mm-hmm. since probably I think December. I kind of lifted some and you know slowly working back into it, but it like it just changes you physiologically like you're yeah. you're you're like look I'm going to blow an o-ring if and I'm not careful.
0: And the the thing here is your reaction to the setback a lot of times can be worse than the actual setback itself. Yeah. Because the- if you had gone,
1: "Oh, I can't lift anymore," which is what uh, what some other people were telling me,
0: yeah. And then, you know, if you had believed that and internalized it, you still wouldn't be lifting.
1: Right. You know, and. As opposed to being sore right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I probably could have started really seriously lifting again in March, but I had that weird, uh, what do they call it? A hematoma mm-hmm. in my abdominal wall thing, which I w- was really gross and I wasn't aware that could happen. Yeah. Um and so that slowed me down too. But again, that was mostly the reaction, right? Like the hernia was fixed mm-hmm. and I was able to lift things um, by, by Christmas. I mean, I, I did carry some heavy stuff around,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but you didn't but do I, regular lifting for a while. Right. And that's okay you're like, all right, I'm going to take it easy
0: and, and work L- way, work my way back slowly.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to let the, the thing heal cause, yeah. cause you know, that's the other thing you, you'll never hear the end of it if you injure yourself again.
0: Mm-hmm. Finally, under why new habits don't stick, you may have major changes in your life priorities. You know, having a child, buying a house, getting married, getting promoted, starting graduate school, all sorts of things can happen uh, that will drastically change how you look at your goals. I know you and I have had a lot of conversations around me starting graduate school.
1: Yeah. And trying to figure out how to keep the routine working. Yeah. And to make sure,
0: like, I I know that you have, have, you have to have been concerned about. Well, I was also writing, I
1: was also writing this outline and realizing, wait, like this is (laughs) textbook. What, could yeah. go wrong, right? So like, yeah, I'm sure you, you've been, and that's why I was like peppering you with questions about it.
0: Yeah. Like he, he has, it's like, I finally said, dude, why do you keep asking? <laughs> yeah, Cause I'm still running the outline. <laughs> that's why, yeah.
1: but sometimes these things
0: will sneak up on you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got promoted and got a harder workload this spring. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, now it was nice that it happened, right? It's just, I wasn't ready for that as far as like how everything else was structured. And it took me a little while. And so, I mean, that derailed some goals.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you don't prioritize the change, it will fall by the wayside if major changes to your daily habits occur,
1: even if these are for good reasons. Yeah. I was talking to some friends um, Sunday that I used to lift with, mm-hmm. and there's like five or six of us, and I'm the only one lifting right now. Yeah. Because, you know, they all had kids recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's hard. It's hard to go to a gym. You know, with with a newborn at home, like that's no. that's rough to do, and it it happens, and it, it's a perfectly good reason to not lift right now. So next, we're
0: going to talk about what you need to be doing before getting started in making change.
1: Planning beforehand how to reinvest your gains is one of the best ways to make sure that you have gains to reinvest.
0: Mm-hmm. Not only does this help with motivation, but it can also help make sure that the goal and your approach to it is
1: actually going to be valuable planning ahead can also help alert you to other things that you need to do for the goal to have maximum effect. Mm -hmm. So in other words, other goals that are congruent with that, that help it along.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you want to have a reason for the improvement. If
0: your goal stands alone, it's a lot harder to make it useful. But if it's a prerequisite for something else that's important, then it makes that motivation and that ability to maintain it a lot easier.
1: Right. So for instance, Um, Well, if if your goal isn't necessary for something better, uh, you should reevaluate whether it's actually worthwhile, first of all, because why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you have to come up with something to do with it once you get there. Uh, One of the things that happens with goals is that it's really easy to chase something and have no idea of what to do with it when you get there.
0: You know, this is interesting because it makes me think of when I was learning to code. Yeah. I found that I learned best. In a project-based learning environment, where it was go build the thing. Oh, I need to go learn these technologies to build the thing. Then not I would learn go those learn tech. those. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think that's actually true for most programmers, which mm-hmm. is is why a lot of uh, CS programs are kind of crappy. to Be honest, but well,
0: CS programs teach you how to basically study computer science.
1: Yeah, and how to. Th- I mean, they're not for programming, right? But the way they teach programming is specifically bad because mm-hmm. of that. But that's, that's a why whole other- I, That's why I like the
0: the code schools and the boot camps, um, especially for if you've got a CS degree and you want to learn, you want to get more practical experience because you go into those and they are that you know project based.
1: For instance, uh, losing weight is a goal by itself, uh, but losing weight because you want to look good on the trip to the beach that you're planning makes you more likely to do it. You want to look good on the trip, but not at the beach. Right. Cause I mean, <laughs> I'm being realistic here. You know, I go out on the beach, somebody's calling Greenpeace, but I couldn't help but just the wording. It was too, too yeah. easy to, to I know there. sometimes you just, uh, sometimes they're just out there and you're just like, I have to, <laughs> I have to hit that one. Sorry. Um, the idea here is to
0: create urgency for the achievement of the goal. It's really a sales process to yourself. Yes, it is. Exactly. Um, if you guys remember a very, very long time ago, we had a conversation about understanding sales.
1: It's like episode four or something, wasn't it? uh, I think seven. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very long time ago. (laughs) Watch. We'll see like a little spike on downloads. We'll be like, "Uh." (laughs) all those people are hearing that IOT's Uh, music. Um, (laughs) I was just thinking the audio quality, but yeah. Yeah, (laughs) but that was part of it. (laughs) So,
0: next is figuring out how to desire the difficulty of achieving the goal. There's a reason that you haven't gotten to some of your goals yet. One common reason a lot of people have is that it's painful or difficult or tedious, which tedious is very different than painful and difficult.
1: Yeah. Because it could, you know, tedious- It's a lot harder to bear. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I can take pain, but filing taxes, not my jam. I can remember uh, certain papers
0: I had to write in undergrad yeah. that I would literally break out into a sweat until I got the first paragraph written.
1: Yeah. Once that first paragraph was down, it just flowed. Yeah, but the first one's always the worst. Yeah. So, if you're fighting tedium, pain, and difficulty, eventually the fight wins and you don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's a limit that we all reach.
0: What you want to be able to do is psychologically recharacterize the situation so that you actually embrace the difficulty, and then it's a lot easier to get through to that goal.
1: Yeah, and this can be anything from having um, intermediate milestones with rewards to actually trying to challenge yourself with the greater difficulty. Now, I do this with my diet, right? Like the low carb thing is a pain in the butt, straight up. Mm-hmm. Um. Cooking low carb food is a lot harder. It's a lot harder to get right. Um, The ingredients, some of them are funky. Like, you you don't know how hard it is to find like xanthan gum in Nashville. Like, there's a major city. (laughs) Just trust me. Um, (laughs) Whole Foods? uh, Yeah. You go over to, or you go to like the hippie section in Kroger. I think they had it there. Um, But like, it's hard, right? So I can look at this and go, hey, this is a roadblock. Or I can go, I get to cook on challenge mode. Yeah. And that is totally how I've recast that. I, I mean that totally fits your personality too, because if
0: you look at something and i i have known you for almost twenty years now, and if you look at something as I get to do it I get to make it a challenge, I get to prove myself by doing this right you are like ten times twenty times more likely to succeed at it right because you you're gonna prove yourself
1: exactly yeah, and, and that, that's why i'm you know that that's why I will do a lot of the intricate stuff that I do, especially on the low carb diet is that actually feeds back into that. That makes the diet easier even though making the cooking Mm -hmm. harder, if that makes sense, because it's it's the challenge.
0: The next one, you want to work on appropriate habit formation. We kind of hit on this a lot, but uh generally we go into goals in an attempt to become a better person.
1: Right. In other words, you're not selling, you know, when you when you sell somebody the idea of, for instance, a low carb diet, you're not going, oh hey, you never get to eat bread again. That's great, right? No more rice. You know, no fried chicken. Seriously, uh. if there's no fried chicken and no rice, dude, that's, that's rough, right? Um, you can't sell it that way, even to yourself, especially to yourself, because you know you're lying, yeah, right? But what you can do is go, what kind of person doesn't do that? It's somebody that's really, really fit, really, really healthy. You know, they're going to live longer. Their spouse is going to find them more attractive. They're going to, you know, not wheeze going up and down the stairs, that kind of stuff. So that's what you're selling.
0: And you want to take that and start working on getting into those kind of habits and putting those in place. You'll need to slowly ramp up your habit chain for this to work well. But the idea is to have the habits of that better person before you become them.
1: Yeah, the idea here is essentially be what you want to seem. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, back to the diet thing. The person doing either of our diets well is going to have to be very good about meal planning and is going to have to keep a stock of food that fits their diet. And so that's a habit that I've been building. I've got – you've seen the workflow. Like I've got like my bulk shopping thing, maybe a little over-instrumented and a little over-automated, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like that's part of that. It's because that's what a person that succeeds at this diet would do, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So that's what I'm doing. Now, the next thing you should do is try to anticipate the problems and then start wargaming on avoidance strategies. Um, This is sort of like being careful not to only write code for the happy path. In other words, handle exceptions. You want to think about what is likely to go wrong and have backup
0: plans in place. Now, I will tell you, um, this is something that I used to be really bad about, especially when it came to diet and exercise. Uh, I would do it for other things, uh, I remember our friend Jason, we used to joke that we'd always end up on plan D or E. Yeah. Because we would we would get together to go out and they would be like, all right, well, we're going to go do this. Well, if we can't do that, we're going to do this. If we can't do that, we're going to do this. And we'd always have that really well planned out. Yep. And lots of other things. But in the things that I guess were important. Yeah, and they were hard. That That were hard, that were difficult, I didn't always do that. So, if I, I didn't have a plan for, oh... What happens if, you know, I break my diet or if I, you know, have to work late and don't get to go to the gym? What would end up happening is I would just completely, it would derail me. Yeah. It doesn't anymore, but back then it used to derail me very badly.
1: Yes. Um, You know, for instance, going to the dieting thing, if you forget your lunch, do you have a plan? Like, how are you going to handle it? You You forget your lunch and, oh, by the way, you don't have enough time for lunch and you don't have a full tank of gas. Mm-hmm. So you can't go very far.
0: Yeah. No, my thing is I'm not doing I, I don't do like the low carb or any specific diet like that. I just eat I track and eat healthy. Right. So today I got to work and realized, oh, my protein bars that I normally eat for breakfast when I don't do the shake, I forgot. But I had meetings from about eleven to two. So I wasn't gonna get to get lunch until late. So I had to eat something there in the cafeteria and I was able to go, all right. Let me step back and go, okay, I I have to eat something or else it's going to, you know. Yeah, it's going to
1: cascade and it's going to get worse.
0: Right. So, I will eat the minimum amount that I need of not healthy stuff. I will track that and then the rest of the day I will adjust my eating around, oh, hey, I had something high calorie for breakfast, so I may go a little lighter for lunch and lighter for dinner. Yeah. The idea here is to reduce the choices you have. When you're under stress to choices that are more or less correct. And this goes back to what we were saying about not having junk food in the house.
1: Right. Um, Because you will destroy a bag of Doritos when you're doing low carb and you don't have the options in place like you need to. So the final thing that you should do before getting
0: started is find a social circle with the same goals. You know, your current circle of friends may or may not
1: be supportive. Yeah. For instance, one of the times I've been on a low carb diet, and I do this cyclically through certain parts of the year anyway, I had a coworker who constantly talked about how he didn't agree with my diet, how it was dumb, how I was shallow for wanting to lose weight, and how I was going to get ketoacidosis from not eating enough carbs, which is not a thing from eating enough, you know, not eating enough carbs. Like that's not how that works. But, you know, I was hearing that all the time. And the most successful I've ever been with a diet or with anything else has been when I've had a group around me doing the same thing. This is the point of like a mastermind. Um, This is why Weight Watchers works. Um, The mutual support is powerful for helping keep you on track. So now let's talk about the things you should be doing before you reach your goal, like as you're, you know, on route, basically. Uh, The first thing is you should be reviewing and measuring your results to keep motivation from falling out. You should keep a regular log, reference our journal episodes if you need some help with that, um, of where you are, and you need to set calendar reminders to review where you were a month or two back. So just have something that pops up and goes, hey, look at what happened a month ago, and go do that. Well, this
0: implies that you are keeping accurate measurements of where you are. Going back to our dieting example, something that I use, because um, while Will's talking about the low-carb diet, I don't do a specific diet so much as healthy eating yeah. and calorie tracking and things like that. So, I use an app on my phone to track and I put in everything that I eat. It keeps like nutritional information there, caloric information. I put in the exercising that I do and it also tracks my walking and stuff like that. So, I do this every day. And it's kind of fun because it's got little rewards for, you know, oh, hey, you logged in seven days in a row. You get this badge or whatever. Oh, yeah. Gamify it. Yeah. So they've gamified it a little bit. It's kind of nice. But also, um, you know, it's a great, easy way of keeping track. This is often going to help your motivation and help you notice when you're stuck. And one thing that I did with this is I always start out because it usually happens I'll not diet or exercise for a while and then I'll start back into it and I'll just do a week of tracking where I'm not purposely trying to eat healthy or anything. I'm just tracking and I will notice throughout the week my eating gets healthier and healthier as I'm tracking it more. Yeah. You know, I will have fewer and fewer snacks throughout the day because I'm tracking how many I'm having now.
1: Right. It's like the observer effect uh another thing you should be doing is coming up with the next milestone for the time after this goal is achieved. You should have milestones and checkpoints, you know, as you're going on the way to larger goals anyway, but smaller and closer goals are easier to reach and are also good times to reevaluate what you're doing. So come up with a milestone that you're trying to get to on the way to the big thing mm-hmm. and also start thinking about what happens after. Now you should be fairly fixed on your big goals, but not
0: overly fixated on the methodology. And this goes back to our goal setting episode and our goal tracking episodes. And also this can help you adjust to changing conditions rather than being clobbered by the changes. So the next thing that you should be doing before reaching your goal is tweaking your habits and making sure they are solid by continual practice. Habit formation is important, but ease of
1: execution makes it much more likely that you'll do them. For instance, while on my diet, uh, the first few times I went on my regular grocery shopping trip, I added things to the list as I remembered them. You know, that's fine as you're starting out doing the low-carb thing because you don't really know even necessarily what's in some of the food because you're starting to look at the labels again. But as you go along, you need to kind of start getting a template. Like I have one now for like, you know, here's the stuff that I, I get basically every week and here's the stuff I get every month. And I've got those templates I check things and then I go to the store and that just makes it really, really smooth. Like I don't, you know, I don't get to, you know, Monday at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm a little bit hungry and go, oh, I don't have any beef jerky, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely destroy by the way.
0: Next, figure out how to turn problems into advantages. You're going to have problems trying to achieve most things that are worth doing. However, the way you pivot on a problem can often be as important
1: as overcoming it. Yeah. For instance, the lack of time to cook during the week has been a real problem for me on this diet. You know, we just have so much stuff going on. So I had to pivot to bulk cooking again. That also puts things on challenge mode, right? Cause when you're making three gallons of something versus stew pot of it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole another can of worms. there trying to get that right. Uh, this not only overcame the problem, but it also reduced the cost. And it gave me the added benefit of being able to bulk cook on Sunday while catching up on podcasts that are related to my other goals. So I just figured out how to blend that in and make it, make it fit where it didn't get in the way. Honestly, I tell you the best example of this I've ever seen in film is Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Look at the way he solves problems and figure out how to apply that to your diet and you're golden.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hey,
1: well, without the rum, right? Because that's not going to work on the diet. But <laughs> you know, another thing you should be doing is strengthening your connections with the other people that are going towards the same goal. In other words, your social circle. If you know others are headed towards the same goal, you need to be supporting them and sharing your struggles and victories and just the little tricks that you come up with Mm -hmm. as you're going along.
0: Even the most introverted person is still somewhat social and they're going to have a tribe of others that will help them out. Not only does having a tribe help you to reach your goals, but the shared experiences can forge powerful friendships that make life better. Yeah. In other areas than just the goal you're reaching for. Um, I know this is why things like CrossFit are popular and like the six week challenge that I did, like it, it was, I made friends doing
1: that. Yep. And you'll see each other at the mall 10 years from now. Yeah. And still be talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the power of this.
0: Finally, distance yourself from situations that hurt your goals. You'll also encounter situations and people that make your goals more difficult whether it's a coworker who insists on eating pizza and fast food all the time while you're dieting.
1: Yeah, especially if your group goes out to lunch every day.
0: Yeah. Or the person who is just negative about your efforts. You have to understand you can't change them. This doesn't mean cutting people and situations off entirely. Although it might. Yeah. Um, and that's a completely different discussion. Uh, but it does mean recognizing that you're not trying to change them, but yourself. And... You can do that with the results.
1: Right. So when you come back and you're 50 pounds lighter and way healthier and all that, now you have something to talk about. Like It's mm-hmm. not a discussion of their idiotic viewpoint. It's a discussion of, hey, this worked. So now let's talk about what to do immediately after reaching a goal. Um, and the very first thing you should do is have some kind of small celebration. But be careful not to derail yourself the celebration. For instance, you're dieting.
0: You might allow yourself some ice cream with dinner or maybe your favorite comfort food after achieving a goal.
1: Um, but I you know, don't turn it into a weekend binge.
0: Right. I know I I have done this. Um, usually, I go for something that is not food related. I know at one point, I really wanted a new leather jacket. And so, I said, all right, when I get down to a certain size.
1: Yeah, then you'll go buy the jacket. Right. Whereas my trick is I'll, um, you know when I'm dieting, I'll be like, okay, it's my cheat meal. I did real well this week. I'm going to Waffle House and I'm going to get the biggest meal there. When they say, do you want this or this? I'll say, yes. <laughs> and yes, yeah. that's a reward. But you do not want any more food for a long time. And you're over wanting Waffle House mm-hmm. after that, too. You want to be
0: sure to be fully present in whatever celebration you create. You want it to be a reward, not a backslide into your previous behavior.
1: Right. And so I would contrast um, you know, the way we drank beer when we used to record mm-hmm. with the way we're drinking scotch. now. Because we would sip on the beer the whole time, right? You are drinking two or three beers. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, what, two fingers of scotch for yeah. an hour recording right. and you're enjoying it? Mm-hmm. Like, do that. Be present in the celebration. And that makes it where you don't have to over celebrate.
0: The other thing, too, is yeah, we would do that, but we would drink beer, you know, all week long, like, you know, yeah. two or three times a week and then on the weekends. Whereas with the scotch, I only have scotch when I come over here, right? right now
1: yeah or and i only have it when you leave a bottle over here um (laughs) no but scotch actually doesn't have the uh the carbs yeah so i can so you can in moderation have some right so the next thing you want to do immediately after is to start on the next thing
0: sitting around and waiting after achieving a goal is a good way to backslide on it
1: you and i both know people that you know they got out of college right like they pushed really really hard and they get out and they're They just hit the wall like they don't know what to do next because they don't have a next thing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that and you don't want to go, oh, my next thing is I'm going to get a job six months from now. You you need to keep moving.
0: Mm -hmm. Momentum is easier to maintain than it is to generate. Next, find ways to tie the achieved goal back into the rest of the ecosystem. Keeping your results is easier when they feed back into other things.
1: Yeah. So a good friend of ours that we went and watched this last weekend um, wanted to be strong from lifting weights. You know, his his hero was the Hulk when he was a kid. He made that part of a larger goal uh, of first being an old time strong man and then being a motivational speaker and coach. Like all those things feed into each other. He stacked it. So now he has to stay strong or he's not going to be able to bend horseshoes with his hands.
0: You know, it's not that his approach is easy but that it's congruent with everything else that he's got going on. If you guys want to hear a lot more about him, we had him on the show uh, this past April 1st. Uh, Was it this year or last year? It was last year. Last year, yeah. So the next one kind of hits on a point that we had in the previous, which is find people in your
1: social circle that have achieved your next goal. If you're the most accomplished out of your set of acquaintances, you need to find other people who are ahead of you and get in their circle um, this is something i've done with like the the business stuff right like yeah. i go to a conference because you know i don't have that in my immediate social circle of you know, tech entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, well, at least is, not in a way that i can really harvest i guess yeah. well,
0: this is this is like the idea of don't be the smartest person in the room yeah yeah not
1: only will this help you but it helps them as
0: a lot of times explaining to someone is very clarifying that's why we have this podcast is because Will and I discussed it, and the best way for me to learn was to put together an episode and explain what I learned to someone.
1: Yeah. You know, um, somebody once told me that if you're, it's one thing to walk in the room and go, okay, I'm the smartest person here. But if you're still in that room after a while, you are the dumbest person in that room. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your IQ is.
0: Yeah. Now, along with this, you should be helping those who haven't achieved as much as yourself, both because it's a decent thing to do and it helps you grow. Yeah. Now, finally, you want to reevaluate life situations that
1: were a problem. Yeah. While you ran into situations or people before that were hurting your goals, now might be a good time to re-engage. Now yeah. that you've achieved that goal and you go, okay, because like you don't necessarily want to cut people out, but you do need to go back and look and go, okay, now can this be positive? Because things change. You changed reaching that goal. You probably don't realize how much.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless you are tracking it and journaling and looking back and you can look back at where you were.
1: Yeah. But even then, it's still it's still really hard to see it because you're seeing it through the lens of a changed person versus seeing it from somebody mm-hmm. else. Well, it's, what's
0: interesting is when you, you, you do that and you go, you look at the person you were and you don't recognize them.
1: Yeah, or the thought patterns. Yeah. Because I can read stuff that I wrote even just a couple years ago, and I'm like, wow, I don't get that at all now. Mm -hmm. Um, You may find that that person or situation is not a problem anymore because you're more sure of yourself, you've gotten results, or because you're not emotionally invested Mm -hmm. in it being a problem.
0: Now, if they are still a problem, finding out why and dealing with the issues might be a worthwhile thing to do as well. So, finally, we're going to talk about the long-term plan after achieving your goal. Goals stick when they are ecosystemic. So you want to incorporate them into your ecosystem and make them part of who you are. We mentioned making the results you've achieved into the inputs for something else already. However, you also need to be looking for other things in your life that aren't congruent and working on those.
1: Yeah, I, I can't count how many people I've watched that, for instance, will lose weight on a diet. And they, you know, they're doing it for health or their appearance, but okay, cool. You got through your diet, but you smoke a six pack a day standing outside the building and the rest of the day you're cooped up in an office and cubicle in a stressful job. Mm -hmm. You know, like those two things are not congruent. Like the health thing is eventually going to go because the rest of it doesn't fit.
0: Yeah. And and I'm kind of torn about this because one of the things when I was working with addicts that we were, we told them is don't try to do too much at once. Right. So, you know, if you're coming off of alcohol, because you're an alcoholic, don't try to quit smoking at the same time. Right. But once you've been sober for five, ten years, now, hey, you know, take what you learned from getting off alcohol and apply it to getting off cigarettes.
1: Yeah. Although I imagine a lot of them can probably do it more quickly, but it's, it's like they have to get to a point where that's yeah. the next thing. Right. It's congruent. Right. Um, because, like, you cannot maintain incongruency. Mm-hmm. You just can't. It, it doesn't work over the long term. Um, in my case, one of the things I'm working on is fixing my sleep and getting more free time in my schedule you know, along with everything else I'm doing because like you, you can't stay healthy mm-hmm. uh, with those things being wrong. I'm also meditating a lot.
0: Yeah. So next, the practices that make the goals work should fade into the background noise so that you can do more things. If you're working on habit formation – and have gotten good habits in place, the stuff you get wrong
1: should largely be handled by routine. Yeah, and this gives you space to add additional habits that get you further. The way I think about this is when we
0: first started the podcast, one, it took me anywhere from 6 to 12 hours to edit. Yeah. Um. Part of that was I was learning how to use things and how to do the editing, but also we hadn't gotten a routine down for recording.
1: Right. And there were so many mistakes that we mm-hmm. were making and we just kind of hammered them out basically. No. And now editing takes an
0: hour or two. And then I do two or three other things in one night, whereas it would take a weekend to get an, an episode ready. So, I can come at it. And also, it's a lot of... Before, I would have to... F- like listen a little bit, stop, edit, listen a little bit, stop, edit. And now I'm what I'm listening to and what I'm editing are a minute or two apart because I I can recognize the ums and the uhs and stuff. And then when when we slip up and say something and have to f- repeat ourselves or fix it, I'll go back and, and change that. But I'll be through the entire episode and then go back and then while it's still going.
1: Yeah. And the other thing we do too, is we've got it fixed where when we do screw up, mm-hmm. we you know have the same tone and we, we say the next thing. right? And that makes it easier for you to fix too, because you're not having to try to mix and match. Like mm-hmm. we just, We've hammered the stuff out with practice and habit. If your habits aren't to this point, this is the time to smooth those
0: out and get through those rough spots in your process.
1: The next thing is you should only be adding complexity at At this point, when it makes sense, and only after getting the simple things down. When you're stacking habits and goals on top of the ones you already have, it can be really tempting to make things far more complicated than they absolutely need to be.
0: And this is almost always a mistake. Slightly complex systems evolve from simpler ones, Uh, but really complex systems are put together all of a sudden and don't really work. Um, You know, the way I think about this is the way I tell people to build software and it's build the simplest solution you possibly can and then only add complexity
1: as it's needed. Right. And that's why I have problems with a lot of modern frameworks, honestly, is because the complexity is baked in and then you're trying to chop it down and you don't, you don't want this with a habit, especially because there's no automated tools for this. Yeah. Well, complexity is a
0: function of granularity and granularity is a function of mastery. For instance, driving a car is complex. But most of us can do that at the same time as we do a dozen other things. Ill advised or not, no texting and driving, people.
1: Just stop. Yeah. When you first started driving, you absolutely could not do two things at once. Well, for one thing, for both of us, I think uh, we started with a stick shift, so (laughs) like your options are real limited. You know, you both your hands and both your feet are occupied. So you know you can listen to metal and you know bang your head maybe, but that's about it. But you know, now, I mean, you know, driving to work is really not something I think about. And, you know, I, I could use my phone. I don't because I don't want to talk to people. But when I first started, there's no way I could have had a mobile phone in the car. Oh yeah. I
0: I understand how so many like wrecks happen because when we were I think I got my first mobile phone when I was seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. And I'd been driving for a few years at that point in time. And even then it was, you know, that old Nokia phone you you didn't have it out. It was, if anything, I might have been talking on it.
1: Yeah. The ones that were indestructible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I mean, legit. Like, if there's ever a nuclear war, like, cockroaches will be calling each other and printing on HP 4000 printers. Yes. <laughs> That's all that will be left.
0: So, finally, um, under long-term plans, this is when you start looking at systemization and automation. We've kind of hit on it a little bit, but now that you have a working system down, don't forget to look for ways to systemize things. And we're doing this with the podcast a lot, but doing things the same way every time or automating them such as having the machine do it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it it can even be little stupid automations. Like we've got one where we move a card on the Kanban board and it puts a file out there for me to write the week's email.
0: Mm -hmm. You want to make sure you have your processes in a very stable state before automating and systematizing because doing so is complicated enough when you know exactly
1: what you're doing and you don't want to spend a bunch of time tweaking it. Right. You don't want to make another task Mm -hmm. to do like you want to get rid of a task. That's the point of automation. It's like it's like building a machine that makes things harder. Yeah, it's just that's not a happy place for anybody. Dieting and exercise are not easily
0: automated, but they are easily systematized through regular routines. But you're probably doing those anyway if they are working for you.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, those things, like, you have to have a routine just about mm-hmm. for, for it to matter. But for other things, maybe not so much. You know, like, you, you get 80% of the benefit from 20% of the effort. Now's the time when you figure out, okay, how can I get the other 80% of the effort in to get the other 20% of the benefit? and then shrink that down with automation. Mm
0: -hmm. Now guys, reinvesting your gains in any worthwhile activity or life goal is not all that hard, but it has to be approached intentionally in order for it to work. The idea of big goals is to create a better version of yourself, and nothing short of good process is going to make that happen in a sustainable fashion. It's not just about your goals, but about how you integrate them into the broader scope of your life. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade?
1: I just want to point out how important it is for things to be ecosystemic. If you actually want to sustain them over a longer period of time, it really doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it can be agile. It can be test driven development. It can be exercise. Um, it can be not, you know, being a drunk fat slob. Um, you know, like that needs to fit in with everything else and. When you do that, what you're actually doing is you're making the system work well together. Like the rest of the system is reinforcing the thing. I've been reading a lot of stuff on permaculture here lately. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really neat that I saw was this thing called a cool cupboard. Are you familiar with what a cool cupboard is? Okay, so what they do is they have, they dig a trench outside your house and they put a pipe in it. The pipe goes under the ground and then comes up outside the other end of the pipe comes into a small uh, pantry in your house. What's happening is it's drawing air from the outside, but it's cooling it. It's going under the earth, right? Because the temperature in the ground is like in the 50s. That's free energy, basically, right? You're using the ecosystem to drive what's happening. And if you think about your goals in that sense, it will make a lot more sense. You can make them fit with the energy that's already in the system. So just want to throw that out there as something to to kind of consider and maybe mull over a little bit, because I think there's really some very, very useful things from that kind of almost hippy dippy type discipline that you can apply as a software developer. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com our theme music is an excerpt from standby for titanfall by pure bells available on soundcloud and licensed through creative commons the intro music for iot's is
0: hillbilly hip-hop by jason belcher for references show notes and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com you can also follow us on twitter at completedevpod and like our page on facebook to keep up with news about the show Catch us each week as we broadcast live talking about what's going
1: on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.